Welcome to the Empower Podcast by Mitchell. Thank you for joining the Empower Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Callahan, and we're here today with Michelle Hibbert, Senior Vice President of Regulatory Compliance, to talk a little bit more about what's going on in workers' comp as it relates to COVID-19. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. We're both uh, hunkered down in our homes, uh, so you may hear a little bit of new audio, um, but we're so glad to have you all here to hear a little bit about how this pandemic is impacting uh, our world. And Michelle, specifically, how has this changed the regulatory environment for workers' comp? Well, it certainly has made it more active than it ever has been. Uh, we were already in an incredibly active legislative season uh, going from 2019 into 2020. And then, of course, COVID-19 happened and it created a whole new working environment for the worker today. Um, working at home comes with its own challenges for a lot of people, but also people that are exposed to the COVID virus in their work environment has also created a number of changes and legislative movements uh, that we're, we're dealing with today. And specifically, I've been seeing a lot on telemedicine regulations that have uh, been changing, it seems like, every day. Um, have there been any challenges the industry is facing in adopting telemedicine? Well, I think, you know, using an example of New York in workers' compensation, they were one of the first states to uh, change the regulation or adopt emergency regulations for telehealth telemedicine to be used in workers' comp. And as an example, it's been huge changes in those that are allowed, those providers that are allowed to do it now, um, and trying to also have those providers bill for their services has also been a huge change. Great examples are they opened it up in New York workers comp for the chiropractor to be able to perform telehealth, telemedicine, and everyone kind of, uh, you know, shrugs a little bit. How, what are they going to do? But they they did limit them to what they can do over telehealth, telemedicine, which is basically office visits and things like that. And also the acupuncture. We're used to going to an acupuncturist to have a service with a needle performed, but they are allowing some acupuncture services, mainly office visit type services to be done through telehealth, telemedicine. You can really tell that a lot of states were in the midst of changing to be allowed to use more telehealth, telemedicine and workers comp. But these bills and these regulations were moving very slowly. Um, what we're seeing is this rapid movement toward making it available to the injured worker um, and those that were already going through some therapy, some care because of an accident they already had, not just related to COVID, but making it so an individual can get to a provider if they need one faster and within the regulatory environment that is in the particular state. 
I think that's so interesting. There, there are so many people uh, who are maybe in underserved markets or um, a little more rural environments where telehealth could really be a game changer for them. Um, so it's interesting to see how quickly uh, that this crisis has helped accelerate that. You're exactly right. And, you know, we've, we are involved in a shortage of healthcare workers. So making it more efficient even for the providers that are performing telehealth telemedicine that are also on the front line and providing care to uh, folks that are you know exposed to COVID and they may be needed in the healthcare hands-on type of, of work rather than uh, their normal day-to-day -day office. So there's a lot of that happening. We even have some of our own internal nurses at Mitchell. Um, I have one on my team that is part of uh, the San Diego health deployment and she's out on the front line basically um, doing that type of work who and she's normally in an office setting so they're calling all healthcare workers and telehealth telemedicine is making it easier for the providers if they were already seeing a patient to be able to still do that and also contribute if they need to on the front line that's so powerful what other important regulatory changes should claims organizations know about as we go through this process? Well, what we're seeing, you know, of course, there are a number of um, telehealth, telemedicine codes that are being utilized. They are, there are modifiers that are being utilized. The claims organization needs to be come pretty familiar with that and bill review applications need to be updated on a more frequent basis to adopt these regulatory changes like we are doing here at Mitchell. Um, I think some of the aspects of the changes don't involve billing at all or even bill review. Some of these changes lend themselves to what we call leniency, um, giving the insurance organization or the payer organization a little bit more time to get their work done because putting folks at home to, to do claim handling took a little bit of effort on those, on those companies that didn't have that type of environment. Um, I was even told by one large insurance company that they deployed nearly 30,000 people who were in the office to their home environment. And that comes with its own challenges in trying to uh, adjust your claim handling practices and to make sure you're doing everything right. So a lot of the insurance departments have issued as part of their orders some leniency in maybe timelines of payment and, and things like that um, on the insurance company side or the payer side. Yeah, we all have to, uh, to adjust and adapt and overcome. I love it. Kind of looking ahead and so much is unknown at this point. We're sitting um, almost mid-April, so, or I guess exactly mid-April. So how do you expect uh, claim severity type frequency to change knowing that the world is changing so, so rapidly, but based on, on what we know today, what are, you, what are you seeing already? What are you thinking about? Well, today, as we sit here on this date of um, April 15th, we do know that there are approximately 17 million unemployed people today. Um, I think the highest week of unemployment has been uh, 700,000 in the United States, but 
this week we have 17 million unemployed. So just knowing that, you can just make a complete assumption that with less people in the work environment, claim severity will go down. I mean, and people are not going to the provider on the more regular basis. So getting to the doctor to be treated or seen, especially if you're in a physical therapy mode, it may not be considered to be um, essential care. It's emergent care um, and it could be delayed potentially. Those folks are not going to the doctors right now. It could potentially uh, happen on the back end of the care. Uh, what some of the things that we have thought about are the same things we thought about uh, when the Accountable Care came, Act came out, which is those people that didn't have insurance before now have insurance. And when they do go to the doctor, they may have more severe illnesses like cancers because they didn't, they were ignoring their symptoms. Could the delay in getting care create that similar um, back end where it does end up being more expensive because people are not receiving the care that they would normally receive or they're really there's a lot of trepidation to even going into the healthcare environment because folks are afraid they're going to catch something right um, we also know that when we're seeing we're going to see different types of workers in injuries um, great examples are truck drivers for example a lot of the uh, uh, regulations on some of the truck drivers on the amount of time they can be on the road have been lifted. There's leniency there. So they're on the road more. Um, there may be more accidents with truck drivers, which is part of the workers' comp area too. Those guys are driving our foodstuffs to you know, grocery stores, et cetera. Uh, they're allowed to be on uh, the the road longer. And you and I working in a home office now, we didn't work before, maybe our chairs are just, our ergonomics are just not good enough for us. We are already seeing in our environment where we have to investigate a person's ergonomics because they may be complaining of back pain, et cetera. We wanna make sure that they're, you know, they are in a good environment and we're doing everything as an employer we can to make sure folks are comfortable at home but again, it comes with its own different type of um, potential injuries that could happen. Now, looking at the front line, the healthcare workers, the first responders, the childcare workers, those that could potentially be exposed to COVID-19 as part of their job, that remains to be seen. We are seeing differing things happening from state to state with, with what they're calling presumption laws. Um, I think most recently, Illinois, effective on 415, those susceptible to COVID-19 are for, afforded full protection now under the Workers' Comp Act. And even before that, we saw Kentucky um, already stated that they would pay wage replacement for first responders or medical employees that were maybe even just exposed in quarantine because of their exposure to COVID-19. So we're seeing a very different world than we've seen before. Uh, we didn't see this type of world for uh, SARS and for H1N1. It's different now. And there's an expectation for employers to do the right thing when it comes to protecting employees.
Absolutely. So many, even grocery workers are, are now frontline. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. With You mentioned elective procedures and doctor's appointments uh, postponed, um, and you kind of alluded to this, but how do you think um, injured employees will be affected? Um, I haven't been out of my house more than once in the past month, so I can't imagine that a lot of these injured people are are you know going out to their normal doctor's appointments exactly and I'll, I'll use wellness as an example um even you know a wellness visit often un uncovers um issues with a person and um a, one of our employees was to have a uh, colonoscopy done just as part of her wellness visit uh, delaying that for someone that is to have that as part of their wellness visit could be uncovering something, and that's elective to do that, uh, could be uncovering something that she may decide to put off for another whole year because it's no fun to have that done for sure. Um, and there are even other types of, you know, venues throughout the country, I would say, that are, um, you know, saying that elective surgeries, elective procedures are not to be done at this time. It could include removal of a screw from a fracture that occurred for an injured worker. And potentially that could get infected later if the person's, you know, there's a, there's a whole litany, even though it might be classified as elective, there can be an effect later from not having that elective um, procedure done at the time it was scheduled. That fascinating issues that, that we just haven't experienced. And overall, we're in a brave new world. Um, what do you think the, the overall impact um, for workers' comp? We talked about many of the micro issues. What do you think on a macro level that, that this is all going to play out? Well, my opinion is we're not going to be in the same um, situation, obviously. Six months from now, it will be different. From an overall view of the type of injuries we're seeing in workers' compensation, it's going to have a huge impact on the severity, as we've talked about early on. I think from, from my perspective, that how we handle things today will really play out into the conclusions that we see six, eight months, a year from now. Uh, I'm very used to looking at the data of workers' compensation and auto claims, and uh, we pay particular attention to why people are going to the provider, when they go to the pro provider, and their duration of care, when they should be reaching maximum medical improvement. I think looking at that type of data as it relates to the work that we do in medical review is going to change how we look at that data because of delays people have experienced today and how do we apply the rules of the road that we've always used later? Um, from a legislative perspective, there's going to be a whole lot more activity on telehealth and telemedicine um, to make things more permanent. A lot of the legislation that we're seeing are, is emergency and it has a timeline on it, 60, 90 days. I believe a lot of that will become permanent and there'll be a little bit more investigative um, work done into is it the right thing to do? And the scope of practices for the providers, did we do the right thing when we implemented those emergency regulations? So that's, from my perspective, 
and in bill review, it will be one of some of the largest impact on, on workers' compensation. Yeah, fascinating. And thank you so much for your expertise and especially your leadership in this space. I know that you've been uh, chatting with a lot of large insurers as well as uh, state representatives and organizations. So much appreciated. Um, we'll be back with uh, Michelle on later podcasts, keeping you up to date as things change. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. This is Shelly Callahan powering down the Empower podcast by Mitchell. Join the conversation and read articles on our website, mitchell.com empower.